0: I'm with God.
1: Good morning. How are you guys feeling today? Good, good. Well, listen, my name is Elias Herrera. I'm actually filling in for Pastor Bill today. And uh, I'm just so excited to be with you, to worship with you. And um, he is on vacation, so we just want to bless him with that time off and that is so great that he's doing that. Uh, So uh, I just want to welcome you guys and welcome all those watching online. So if you guys would, if you guys came prepared to worship the Lord this morning, Would you get on your feet and worship with us? Amen.
2: And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who sing to the God who stays. we sing to the God who always makes a way. Because He hung upon that cross, and He rose up from that grave, my God's still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet shout out your praise there's joy in the house of the Lord our God is surely in this place place. and we won't be quiet but we shout out your praise we were the beggars, now we're royalty we were the prisoners The house of the Lord. Sing praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, because we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, but we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet, because we shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord, because our God is surely in this place, and we won't be quiet, but so we shout out your praise. We shout out your
3: praise, and yeah, there's joy in this house.
2: Shout out
4: your praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, do you feel the joy of the Lord in the house of the Lord today? Well, he said we're supposed to shout out, right? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the joy of the Lord. Now, the Bible tells us in his presence his fullness of joy, amen, and at his right hand are blessings forevermore, and he will show us the pathways of life, that's God's promise, we just have to do as we're doing now, seek his presence, and his word, in the house of God, in the wonderful music that has been made just for us, to worship him, to lift up his name as we're doing right now, Can we give the Lord just one more hand clap? Can we do that? Is he worthy? Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. He's so worthy of our homage, of our praise. I'll be reading from Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12, if you have your Bibles handed. Davis writes, I can never escape from your spirit. How many of you notice nowhere you can go where God is not? Amen. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me, and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you, God. To you, the night shines as bright as day. You make all the delicate inner parts of my body and nip me together in my mother's womb. Somebody needs to hear that. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. And I'll stop there. I went a little bit beyond where I was supposed to, but I felt led by the Holy Spirit to to read that. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, brothers and sisters. Oh, sweet hour of prayer. What a privilege to come to the Lord in prayer. No matter what's on our hearts, no matter what we're going through, he's just a prayer away. Deliverance is a prayer away. The supplying of all of our needs is a prayer away. Let us go before the Lord, church. Dear Heavenly Father, Abba, Father, our wonderful God and creator of the universe, oh, how we love you, how we adore you. Christ, we exalt your holy name today. And every thought, word, and deed, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart please you be acceptable in thy sight, O God. For you, Lord, are our strength and our redeemer. Lord, we ask today that you'll just bless these services. Oh, Father, we feel the presence of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for being here with us as you promised in your word. And Lord, we just ask that you will lead us and guide us throughout this service. Let us sense you, sense your presence in every word that is preached by the pastor today Lord we need a touch we need a word of God in these tenuous times these days we need a fresh wind of the revelation of of your word we thank you for Pastor Roger we thank you that he spends long hours Lord before you I've seen him do it weekly bringing the message to us that he's heard from you Heavenly Father bless every man and woman and child that are here today keep us safe oh God danger seen and unseen alike. Let no weapon formed against us prosper. No weapon. Yes, Sister Mary, no weapon. And every tongue that rise up against us in judgment, we pray that it will be condemned. We ask, Lord, that you will bless us throughout this week. Give your angels charge over us as you promised you would. And Lord, our trust is in you. We're not ashamed to say it. In God we trust In your Holy Son's name we pray, amen, and amen, and you may be seated. God bless you.
5: Hey, everyone. My name is Lynn. Welcome to CTC, and thanks for spending a part of your weekend with us. We have a lot going on at our campuses, so we wanted to take a few minutes and let you know about some of those. Our Bayer campus will host a blood drive on Saturday, July 9th from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. This blood drive is a part of Alex Servia's Eagle Scout project. The Delaware blood bank is in state of emergency. For certain blood types, they have less than a day's supply remaining. In addition, holiday weekends typically result in hospitals seeing an increase in blood use. O negative blood type is in particular need. You can sign up for a time by visiting the events page of our website or by going to delmarvablood.org. Vacation Bible School has begun and we have completed two weeks. We have been learning about Jesus and His love for us and how He came to give His life for us as well as seeing some of the customs of Jerusalem during the time of Jesus. VBS is open to children who have completed kindergarten through sixth grade. Even if your child has not been to VBS yet, there is still time for you to come and experience this. We will continue every Wednesday at the Bear campus from 6 to 8 p.m. through July 27, and Saturdays at the Elsmere campus from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. through July thirtieth. In last week's message, Pastor Roger challenged us to seek and live out the calling that God has for us. Many of you have already gone to our website and completed the gift assessment through assessme.org. If you haven't, now is a great opportunity to get involved in serving in ministry at CTC. Both of our campuses need an army of volunteers to help make ministry to our community possible. Once you have completed the assessment, or if you already know where you would like to serve, send an email to lpoindexter at ctcde.church and we will get you connected. Thanks for being here today. Our prayer is that you leave feeling encouraged and closer to God. Please let us know if there's anything you need while you're here. You can find more information about all the events happening at our church by going to ctcde.church. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to stay up to date. Have a great week.
0: And happy
6: 4th of July. Happy
0: 4th Uh, of July.
6: Yeah, thank you for coming, because I know this is the time when a lot of people are on vacation. And everyone got the memo, I forgot to wear red and blue today, but I'm glad to see a lot of... Gold.
7: Gold. Gold is is a nice kind of patriotic okay cool
6: awesome (laughs) thank you cool again good morning everyone to everyone in person and online thank you for joining us today if you are new here and you are in person again welcome so before you leave once you leave the sanctuary and go to the left you will see the welcome center where you will receive a free gift if you haven't done so make sure you do that and of course you will be greeted by someone from our pastoral staff And again, just take the time to browse. And if you're online and you are new here, you can click the new here button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat. Now for Connect Cards. So if you're in person with us today, whether you're at your table or at a seat, you will see the Connect Card, which we would love for you to fill out. So we know that you were here today. Also, you can write down a prayer request because we're always praying for you. And then same goes for all my online people. You can either... Click the connect card button at the top or the bubble that just popped up in the chat.
7: Wonderful. Thank you, Rebecca. And uh, as you heard on the announcement video, uh, Lynn talking about the assessme.org uh, spiritual gifts or grace gifts assessments, as it's called on there. I've been, I invited you last week to do that. I just want to mention how, how critical that is and how important that is and how, um, you know, we have a lot of staff on our chur- at our church that do a wonderful job. But did you know that we don't hire staff at Christ the Cornerstone to do ministry? The ministry is yours. The ministry is yours. We hire staff at Christ the Cornerstone to lead the congregation to do ministry. Our greatest ministry field is at your workplace, in your neighborhood. And so we, we're here to equip you. That's what we've been learning about in, in this book of Ephesians as we've been doing it. I had a couple of conversations this week that I just want to celebrate and say thanks to God for, for people who have responded to that. And we had some conversations this. Pastor Vaughn and I had conversations with somebody that's ready to serve in, the, in his team. And, and Pastor Bill has had conversations with people who are willing to, to help learn the computer and be part of the media team and the ministries like that. But it's never too late. For you to uh, sense what God is doing in your life and say, Lord, I think if you're asking me to do something at Christ the Cornerstone to expand our ministry. Now, if lo- the Lord is leading you to do ministry at your workplace, we want to help you do that and we want to help equip you to do that. But these are all ways uh, that we serve God and God uses us and we grow in our faith when we do what God asks us to do. I just want to thank you for doing that and to those who are already doing that. Uh, we want to be generous here with everything. Not just our our service, but all things that we have. And so we have these principles that we want to encourage each other to do. Let's read this principle out loud together, please. We give with a sense of loyalty in support for fellow believers. And here's a scripture that uh, reminds us, uh, that grounds this idea in scripture. Let's read this together. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? From 1 John three sixteen and 17. As we were reading that, I was thinking of one of our ministries through our Ellesmere campus. It's a ministry to homeless persons, and I might have mentioned this before, but uh, Scott and his wife, Faye, um, lead this homeless ministry. They actually get access to go into the homeless camps that are around the area. And uh, so our our church van, our, our, our green church van that's really old and not very pretty, Scott takes that into certain neighborhoods. And I was talking with him uh, the other day, and there's some neighborhoods that he does not take the, the van into, but he delivers food to people who he knows are homeless. And so he'll fill up his backpack and he'll walk into those communities. He goes into some very dangerous places in, in Wilmington, and we need to pray for him and support him in that. And I want you to know that that is part of, part of your ministry uh, through Christ the Cornerstone. And it really is a powerful ministry that Scott and Faye have. Um, if I walk into those places, nobody would talk to me. They would know that I am a stranger just by the way I'm dressed. And uh, they say, what is that guy doing here? I've ridden my bicycle through those places, and, uh, and the Lord has protected me. And Pastor Vaughn t- tells me, well, the Lord is protecting you uh, in those, in those uh, dangerous places. But we're grateful for Scott. So thank you for your ministry. With all that. That's enough. Let's bring the team back. Let's continue worshiping God. Let's stand together as I offer this prayer and the, uh, the team comes to lead us. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the ministry that you give to your people wherever we are, in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our workplaces, at the gas station when we're pumping gas. Whatever it might be, God, you're asking your people to stand up in this world and make you known to others. We know very clearly, God, in this world that if the church does not rise up to, to proclaim your truths to the world, this world is going down the drain to be kind about it. Jesus, we need your help. We need your Holy Spirit to empower us, cause us, move us to speak out in this world the truths that only you have. Now, Lord, as we lift up those same truths come and be with us as we worship you, fill us, change us, help us to hear what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen.
1: Let us continue this time.
2: you have. Fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Yes, I will. Sure. To glorify, glorify the name of all names, that nothing can stand against, and we choose to praise, to glorify, glorify the name of all names.
1: Of the verse uh, of the day, if you have the U version app, it comes up. At least that's what was showing up on my uh, my app, and it really spoke to me because, you know, as as people, as humans, we're very, very uh, likely to get stressed out about something in our lives. Is it, would you agree with me? Uh, I hope I'm not the only one, but um, we have a tendency to look at the things that are in front of us, the struggles. Uh, The things that burden us, the things that uh, sometimes the enemy puts in our way. And sometimes it's in disguise of maybe our boss or coworkers. Uh, Sometimes it seems like it's our family that can stress us out. And all these burdens and all these things. And we end up fixing our eyes on these things. We end up fixing our eyes on these issues and troubles and stresses and finances and all these things that so easily entangles us all. And I just want to share a scripture with you this morning. That's uh, John 6, chapter 6, verse 35. It says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Everybody say never thirst. We will never thirst once we fix our eyes on the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ. And I encourage you this morning, if you're anything like me or everyone else in this room, instead of focusing on the things that stress us out and um, burden us, I I suggest and I encourage you to fix your eyes on Jesus because in Him you will never go hungry, you will never thirst ever, ever again. And we can take that to the bank because that's what Jesus said. Amen? And so as we go on to the next song, I want to have a, a posture that would just say the next time we are in a time of trouble or anything like that, just say hallelujah. The next time, I just encourage you, next time you go through a stress or trouble or something, just say hallelujah. And the next song will encourage us to do that as we raise a hallelujah together. Amen.
7: Thank you for your gift that you give to us. And Lord, now as we shift and hear your word, come and your Holy Spirit fall upon us, upon me, as I proclaim your truth, upon our ears, that we may hear what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Life, it can be hard. But we were never meant to run this race alone. We were made for community. Each one fulfilling their calling so that others can learn and become mature. Then, as Ephesians 4.14 tells us, we will no longer be blown about by every wind of teaching. Unity comes when we find... When you find the place where you belong, indeed, you belong. Uh, I've got a question this morning. I want you to take a moment and think. If you're online, you can post. You can post something online. But here's the question: What happens, or when you were a child, or maybe you are a child? What are you required, expected to do as part of the family in your household? What are you supposed to do in, in your family? Is there anything unique that you do? For example, when I was growing up, we lived on a farm. I talk about that often because that's, that's just where I, where I come from. We were required to work. What were you expected to do just because you're part of your family? Every family has some household rules that you have to do. Take a moment and and share that with someone or post it online. Tell somebody what's one thing that you had to do. Whisper, 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 talk, talk. Chores. Make your bed. Whatever. Right. I remember I was probably five or six years old. And, and my dad was, we, we, we had a market. If you, if you're familiar with this area, you might know some of the Amish markets that are around. There's one in Elkton down, I think it's Williams Road or, uh, go out, Old, Old County Road and, and, that direction. There's a, there's a farm market. We had a market like that. And then the business grew and then it grew to become a little bit like, um, Milburn Orchards. Uh, and we did hay rides, we did, we did all kinds of barbecues and things like that. It was kind of a destination farm business. But when I was six years old, I was still expected to work and I didn't get paid anything. I think the payment was spending time with my dad, which I look on it now and I think, well, that's a, that is certainly a great payment to receive. But I remember my dad, that my job in, in working with dad was he would be picking corn. So he would be between two rows of sweet corn. And then there would be another worker, usually one of my cousins, because it was all a family business. He was in the next two rows over, and I was in the two rows between Dad on this side, and let's say Ray was over here on this side. And they were going down their rows, and they'd pick an ear of corn off, and they'd put in their arms like this, they'd pick up another ear. When their arm got full, it was my job to be there ready with the basket. And they would fill. We tried to get 50 ears of corn in every bushel basket. And my job was to stack those ears of corn in there so that we could do it. And it got so full, I was only 5, 6, 7 years old, I couldn't lift up the whole basket. So I had to just drag it through the field. And then I had, to, when it was full, I had to drag it out the rows... And, and into the road that was between the sections of, of corn over here. And so these are just things that we had to do. And then we moved on to a farm that had a dairy farm. And I had to feed the calves. And I had to clean the clean the barn and all these things. Every family, every household has rules to follow. We're going to read the house, some of the household rules for living in the family of God. And Paul is very specific in some of these things. So I want us to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it's on page 979 in the Bibles that we've got here, or it's Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to re- begin reading with verse 17. And it's typical to Paul's writing. He begins with a general statement, and then he gives very specific things to, to, uh, to illuminate or, or to uh, apply that truth that he's saying. So beginning in verse 17, we start to hear some of the uh, general statements, and then we'll get to the specific instructions that Paul has for us and, in doing this. We're, not, we're going to read them all, but then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about a couple of them, because we don't have time to dive into all of these this morning. It says, verse 17 says, With the Lord's authority I say this. "...live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness, and they wander far from the life God gives, because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity." But that is not what you learned, parents. Have you ever said to your children, "Other families may do that, but we don't do that in our house"? That's what Paul is saying right here. That that isn't what you learned in Christ. And since you have learned, heard about Christ, and have learned the truth that comes from Him, your life must change. I added that bit. But that's what he's saying. You know the truth now. You've learned something different. Don't go back to the old ways. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. It's pretty clear, isn't it? Your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Okay, so if we're removing that, what's going to fill that void? Because nature, we heard this phrase, nature abhors a vacuum. Something is going to replace it. Verse 23 says, instead, let the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature." You're created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So, stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. The property line is here. Or whatever the truth might be. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth because we are all parts of the same body. And do not sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, stop stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and And helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. How many times we're at work with co workers and we find something coming out of our mouths? Are we asking ourselves was that good and helpful for my co worker? Was that good and helpful to my child to hear that? I know I'm meddling, but so is Paul, right? That's my job. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Vaughn. Well, let's keep digging. Give me that shovel. Verse 30 says, And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Lost my place. Remember, He has identified you as His own. You're part of God. You belong. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. And instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as through Christ God has forgiven you. This is pretty clear teaching. It's hard to argue with any of this. I want to go back to verses 22 and then 26. In verse 22, we read, we see the word lust in this translation. It says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. And, and this word lust, in our culture, we, we pretty much only associate lust, lust with sexual sin. But this word lust is much more generally used in Paul's day to refer to any desire. Let me, let me define it. An inordinate or a strong self-indulgent craving that takes the place, of our God-designed desire for God. I remember I like pizza. I, I say I like pizza as a fifty-six-year-old, but when I was fifteen, I would say I love pizza. And 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 if I I I I will taste pizza just to taste pizza. But I've tasted some pizza that it really isn't pizza, and I'm kind of a pizza snob. And I'm sorry for those who like it but pineapple does not belong on pizza <laughs> that is that 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 is your fulfilling your your corrupt nature of lust and deception <laughs> anyway i remember making myself sick on pizza because i it tasted so good and that is not what god wants me to do is it and i learned my lesson this is what this desire to be satisfied by whatever it is it could be it could be attention from other people we just crave attention so we do whatever it takes to get attention from other people it could be money it could be work any, any addiction certainly is in this realm. But even before we get to the addiction point, we have this craving for things. And a lot of us are satisfying cravings that really are addictions, but nobody says anything because they're kind of what, what we call uh, uh, socially acceptable addictions. And some of us are just not taking care of ourselves. Because there's this desire that we have that is replacing our real desire, our genuine desire, our God-created desire for God. In in, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to to send you a letter soon and I'm calling for the church to fast together. And the letter will explain why. But in in this time of fasting... It is a time for us to let go of some of our cravings in order that we can spend more time desiring God. And that's what fasting does. That's, that's what this word lust means. An inordinate, self-indulgent craving that displaces our proper affection for God. The other word that I wanted, we read in that verse is the word Deception and this word deception is more than just a lie this word deception refers to things that simply cause someone to believe an untruth and and we all do that at times even me and and especially when when we get political and i don't mean political in the sense of just the government politics I had a great I had a professor that did a great gave a great gift to us once defining the word politics simply this way. He said politics is simply the way of getting things done. That's a great definition of politics. So when I'm in the office and I'm trying to I'm managing my, my, my the staff of, of the church, I'm playing politics. We have a job that we have to get done. And there are things that I can do to make that happen. And if I do these things, it's not going to happen. If I fail to do these things, it's not going to happen. So what's the politic? What's the way of getting things done that I operate? You have a way of getting things done. And there are ways of, of deceiving people. Maybe just not telling them all the infor- giving them all the information that they need to do their job, or I give them more information that they need to do their job. I'm playing a politic. It's it's a way of getting things done. It's a way we can look at our politicians and we can see oh. We get angry with politicians and say, oh, it's just a politician. Well, he's just trying to get something done or she's just trying to get something done. What the problem is, is that we disagree with what they're trying to get done. And that's the point that we have to work on. We don't want to do that. We don't believe that's good for for the body. So I'm not going to go that direction. Anyway, I don't want to get into politics. It's just a definition. So this, this word deception is simply causing someone to believe an untruth. We need to be careful the way we have our relationships and not do anything that causes someone to believe something that is untrue. I know. Parents struggle with this because we know that children can't understand everything and they don't understand the world the way people with more experience see the world. And there are things that we have to find ways to explain them that also don't, don't mislead the child to hear the truth, but also do it in a way that the child can understand. Parenting is an extremely difficult task. And, and I don't care what age you are, you don't stop being a parent. Your role as a parent just keeps changing. <laughs> and what you do. All right, let's stay focused, Roger. Come on. And then verse 26, let's move on to verse 26. talks about anger. Uh, I'm going to meddle some more. And verse 26 says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Let's go back to the word sin and let me define the word sin simply as as, uh, missing the mark. Sin is not just something that you fail to do or refuse or, or do that you're not supposed to do. Sin, generally defined, simply means to miss the mark. As as if I've got a dartboard and and I'm shooting at it. The bullseye is the mark, right? But any place outside of the bullseye is sin. God has a mark for us to live. And that mark, as it says here, is righteousness and holiness. Anything that we do that is not righteous, anything... That we do that is not holy is sin. Because it misses the mark. Thank you, Pastor Mary, for saying thank you, Lord, for defining sin. (laughs) And that makes all of us guilty of sin. And he says, don't miss the mark of God's plan for your life. By allowing your anger... What does it say? To control you. And he says, don't let the sun go down while you're still anger. Because anger gives a foothold to the devil. What does that mean? I got a little illustration here and everybody's been wondering. Okay. What's the monkey? What's the sock monkey doing up here? Let me introduce you to my friend. Isn't that ugly? All right why do I have such a great, big, ugly sock monkey? Because about 12 years ago, Carolyn had some surgery, abdominal surgery, and a lot of times with that kind of surgery, you're all stitched back together, and if you sneeze or cough, you feel like you're going to split your gut, literally. And so a pillow or something to hold you there. So there was this kind woman in our church that that wanted at the time, wanted to Help us. She was help So she decided that instead of just giving Carolyn a pillow to hold her stuff together, she gave her this great big sock monkey. This is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and so anyway, so this is beautiful sock monkey. Carolyn held it. I, I, I folded it up like this so it was more like a pillow, and she could hold it over, over her like, like that. And, and it worked for a couple of weeks, and then she didn't need it anymore. And we said, "Well, what do we do with this?" Nobody, the kids didn't want it. <laughs> we didn't have any place to have it. I said, mm, "Let's keep it. It'll make a great sermon illustration." So here is a beautiful sermon illustration. But I put a shirt on monkey, and on the shirt I have written the word anger. And this monkey represents anger. We have a phrase. you got a monkey on your back. Anger can give a foothold to the devil. Watch this. Oh, no. Monkey. Oh. Oh, his anger is grabbing hold of me. Somebody at work did something to make me angry. Woo. Now that looks silly. The... <laughs> and so anger has a foothold. The devil has a foothold on me. I go about my day. I greet Darren. How you doing, Darren? And Darren sees that I'm angry, even though I might be, I might be smiling and I might be going around. But I still got this thing following me around. And it's anger. There are some of us that are living like this. And it stays there. And it comes up every now and then, and it causes me to lash out to you with harsh words sometimes. Why did you do that? Even to my wife, to my children. And all of a sudden, I come out with this thing that, ah, but I had a bad day at work, or somebody did something that I, I didn't like, or somebody stole something from me, or, or, or something didn't go the way that I expected, or, or I'm just mad because life isn't going the way I want it to go. And the devil hangs on to that. Don't let anger be a foothold for the devil in your life. And think about this morning. What, what are the ways that anger comes up in you? Anger is what they call a cluster emotion. And it's not just anger. Inside, so let's, i got a cluster of grapes. And, and we call that cluster anger. But hanging on that cluster of grapes are all kinds of other grapes. It might be frustration. It might be pain, physical pain. It might be disappointment. It might be fear that causes anger to rise up in us. But but anger is always a cluster of different emotions. And if really we're going to deal with it, we need to identify these other emotions. Maybe it's jealousy or envy. That that is coming out as anger, but it's still it is hard to get rid of that. Look at that! Isn't that fun? Woo hoo! Woo! Anyway, I'm having too much fun with this monkey. But if you if you come up with a person who's angry, if you're if, if if you're intuitive and if you're aware of emotions in your life or in other people's lives, and we all need to be, you know that there's that this person is angry, and we tend to just run away. It becomes a barrier. In our relationships to others. And no matter how hard you try to hide the anger. No, I'm not angry. He's still there. You've got to deal with the anger. Here's the good thing. God gives us our emotions. God gives us anger. And anger can be used for good. But don't let anger cause you To miss the mark. What do we do about it? We've got to get rid of this thing. Wait, I'm going to lose my shoe. Okay, I'm done with you, Anger. There you go. (laughs) I want to to go to Genesis chapter 4. Right at the very beginning of the Bible, because talking about this reminds me of a of a story right at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter four. Remember the story of Cain and Abel? Remember the first the, the two brothers, sons of Adam and Eve. And and they were living and, and they understood they had a relationship with God, and and they both decided to worship God. And and Cain brings to God an offering. And Abel brings another offering. And for whatever reason, I don't understand totally. God accepts Abel and his offering, but rejects Cain and his. And let's read what happens. It's Exodus, uh-uh, Genesis chapter 4, beginning with verse 3. And it says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Generosity, right? That's the good and right thing. Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift. But he did not accept Cain and his gift. I don't understand why. It just seems very arbitrary to me. But for whatever reason, God chose to accept one, not the other. To us, it sounds extremely unjust. God, what is, what's wrong with my gift? But God says, no. You could have given me better. And that made Cain very angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. So clearly, Cain didn't do what was right. And then God says, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Here's this next phrase, sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Here comes that monkey again. He's crouching at your door. No. <clears throat> get away. <laughs> I didn't step on him. I just stomped my foot in front of his nose. Don't get carried away. <laughs> Anger is crouching at your door eager to control you. But then it ends. But you must Subdue it and be its master. God wants us to be disciplined with all of our emotions. And Jesus changes us so that we can. We do not have to be controlled by our anger. And when we are controlled by our anger, it causes us terribly to miss the mark. We ruin our marriages, we ruin our families, we ruin our neighborhoods. We ruin our communities, our nations, the world. We have to subdue it. And how do we subdue it? It gets subdued because we surrender ourselves and subdue ourselves to Jesus Christ and His ways. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father (laughs) except through Him. And so Paul reminds us simply, Be controlled instead of anger by God's Holy Spirit through your faith in Jesus Christ. Where are you today? We're going to take communion in a moment. And I give you an opportunity to confess your anger. I know this could be very difficult. You may need to talk to somebody, you may need to pray with somebody, you may need to make an appointment with your counselor, or you may need to find a counselor. <laughs> Because you, God is saying to you, your anger is out of control. Your anger is controlling you, and I don't want you to live your life uncontrolled. I remember as a parent, I think my, I, I spanked my children only a few times. But the thing that bothered me the most about spanking my ch- child was when I did it out of anger. And I confess that, and I believe that's wrong. Because I was out of control and I was doing far more damage to my children than help. God wants us and needs us to discipline our children, but God must be in charge of us as we do that. What do you need to confess this morning? Let's take a moment. Let's pray together as we prepare to receive this sacrament. I'm going to give you a time to silent prayer. do it online, but let's, let's take a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word that instructs us clearly and plainly. Thank You for Your mercy that You give to us, that You have forgiven us all of our sins every time we miss the mark. That you've set for us a a way of living life that is full of joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, generosity, gentleness. This is the fruit that you have for us to live in our lives. God, I thank you for all of our emotions. I thank you even for anger that causes us. But Lord, we need to surrender to You so that through Your Spirit we can subdue the anger in our lives to use it for good and not for evil. Lord, we cast away evil from our presence. In the name of Jesus, evil flee. And we thank You, God. In these moments, Jesus, hear the prayers, the silent prayers of those who lift them up. silent prayer by saying together the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to say together. The words are on the screen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Let's affirm those statements that we believe as followers of Jesus by saying together the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God. And is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and a life everlasting. Amen. I invite you, if you're at home, I invite you to get some grape juice, wine, or some bread, or whatever you've got to receive communion this morning. If you're in the room. I invite you to take the cup and the wafer that's on the chair or the table near you. If anyone needs gluten-free, Darren, I'm going to ask if you would stand up. If you need gluten-free bread, uh, we've got it here. Darren will bring it. Just lift your hand up so Darren can see you and he will bring it to you. We remember that night when Jesus himself had every right in the world to be tremendously angry. He was experiencing injustice like no one else and like everyone else has experienced in life. And that night, Jesus met with his disciples and he gathered them in the meal and he took the bread and he gave thanks to God for the bread and he broke the bread and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Every time you eat this, remember me. Let's take and eat and be thankful. And when the supper was over, Jesus took the cup, gave thanks. He gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, my cup of the new covenant, a new relationship, a new life given for you. Let's take and drink and remember what Christ has done for us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and be present with all of us as we reflect, as we learn, as we listen, as we go from here to obey You and do as You lead us to do. Guide us. Transform us. Let us not harden our minds or our hearts against You, but to soften them and to be open to Your instruction in our lives. We no longer want to be filled with anything but Your Holy Spirit, that You might guide us in every way. We thank You. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We invite you to stand as the team comes back, and we continue to sing. You're welcome to come and kneel at the platform area here, or meet with someone in the uh, in the back corners by one of the prayer stations. They'd be glad to pray with you. Let's sing as we pray.
2: love keep me within your love
3: my heart will sing your praise again
2: your promise still stands great is your faithful promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You've never failed me yet
1: Thank you. Father we just come before you Grateful hearts. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for today's word. Father, I pray that after today we would not just be hearers of the word, but we would be doers of the word, God. That we would put your word into action into our everyday lives, Lord. I thank you that your Holy Spirit goes before us, Lord. And Father, I just pray a blessing over your people here. I pray a blessing over those who made a decision today, Lord. I pray a blessing over those watching online and all those at the other campus. So We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And we're going to continue to worship a little bit up here, so feel free. The altar is open. Feel free to sit, stand. You're welcome to exit as well. But have a great rest of your week and happy Fourth of July.